Hello, DLC listener. What you're about to hear is an episode of the show that was recorded um, early afternoon on Saturday. And we reference a lot of health issues that I've been going through. I have eye surgery coming up very soon. Um, And later that day, (laughs) at about 5 o'clock p.m., my wife and I went to get a second opinion about this eye surgery. And so uh, a lot of the things that we talk about in the show have changed a little bit. Actually, for the better, I think. I still have to have this surgery. Uh, but uh, it, it doesn't seem so dire. Uh, so I have an update to what you hear in this show at the end of the episode if you're interested. But I just want to make it clear. Uh, I may not actually have to be out for six weeks, as I originally thought. And it may not quite be so bad. So um, I'm so grateful for everyone that has sent me kind messages on Twitter and by email. You are an amazing community, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, But enjoy this episode, and if you want to hear an update of the stuff that has happened after we recorded this, stick around at the end. Thank you. Base crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, oh man, I am grateful. <laughs> I am grateful you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Quip and Squarespace. Squarespace! Squarespace and Quip are bringing the show to you and DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash (laughs) savior in a lot of ways uh, over the next few weeks, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Jeff, I just thought of something. Um, you have six weeks of being able to listen to DLC. I know. I know. It's You've never really so got cool. to listen to the show before. And you know what else? It's even better than that, Christian. I was thinking about this too. I can't read during that time. So this will be how I get my gaming news. The yeah. DLC podcast will be how I get, uh, how I stay up to date with gaming news will be on your shoulders, my friend. We are going to play some, and just announced... The Bard's Tale 8 featuring Jeff has been officially, this is incredible. (laughs) So uh, if you haven't been following me on Twitter or um, anywhere else, uh, I should mention that this is the last DLC that I'll be doing for a while. Uh, Hopefully it isn't as long as I've heard it could be, but um, I have to have emergency eye surgery. Uh, when you're listening to this, I probably will be having that <laughs> or I have had that, uh, eye surgery. It's, it's, it's happening very fast. And, um, I told that the surgery itself is not, um, 
super long or intense. It's going to be about an hour, but the recovery is, is, <laughs> and, uh, I'm told it will be very hard. Uh, and I will be out of commission, unable to leave a very specific position. My head and I, and more importantly, uh, have to be put into a specific position, uh, this head down, weird, crunched up position, uh, for many weeks. And I'm told that I can't jostle my eye to the to the extent that I can't even speak, uh, because speaking will jostle the eye too much. So um, it's going to be pretty rough. Um, I, I did, if you listen to the Slash Filmcast, uh, Dave Chen and I did a whole discussion about this, uh, where we went into more detail about it. Um, I, I don't need to rehash it again, but I have a detached retina. Um, not for any reason other than it just sort of happened. Uh, I, there was no trauma to the eye. There was nothing that caused it. I just am lucky, I guess. And, no man, uh, sky VR comes out. This happens. I don't want to equate man, the two, but no uh, kidding. Uh, but yeah, evidently I, I already have some permanent vision loss, which is a hard pill to swallow, but hopefully this surgery will, um, get back some of that. Uh, it is ironic as you point out, Christian, that the guy who loves VR, uh, so much is in a position now where I might not be able to experience it with only one eye, but we're hoping this uh, surgery is going to uh, fix it. And I'll be able to see out of both eyes again. Uh, right now I can't see out of my right eye. Um, so it's a little scary and it's a little uh, daunting to stare down the barrel of what could be six or more weeks of um, not being able to do anything uh, or communicate very much at all. Um, as a person who makes his living both doing things and communicating, <laughs> it's a hard, hard thing. Um, I should, I should also mention, uh, we have a very special guest with us. I don't want to go on too far down the line without introducing our guest. You know, DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian this week. DLC stands for thank you. Um, and it's rich Grisham who is here, uh, Usually about once a year, we should we should have him on more. But um, <laughs> he's from the Press Row podcast and lots of other places. Uh, he's a friend, and uh, we had scheduled this before any of this news broke. And I apologize, <laughs> Rich, that you have to be on on a, on a weird episode. But we're going to try to make the most of it, make the best of it. Uh, and I'm so grateful to have you, a friend, here uh, for this episode of which will be my last for a while. So uh, welcome, Rich Grisham. Well, thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Christian. And let me just say, Jeff, uh, on behalf of everyone, and I, I say that very confidently, on behalf of everyone that listens to your shows and watches your shows and, and has been a fan of yours for many years, we love you. Capital L-O-V-E. We love you. We love what you're about. We love the fact that you care so much about making the world a better place. And we know that you will get through this. And we are all collectively here for you, my friend. Thank you for having me on. It is an honor. And I am happy to hopefully shed a little bit of, of happiness into your life. And by the way, if I could, really quickly, I want to introduce somebody to you who would like to say something to you. This is my son, who is 12. And he has a couple of things he'd like to tell you real quick. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I liked your voiceover in Vacation Simulator. It and Job Simulator are actually my favorite games. Oh, and also, um, I hope your eyes get better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was that was extraordinary. Um, my goal for this episode was to not cry. And thanks you're a lot, Rich. 
very difficult. Um, <laughs> I thank you. That was very, it's very special. And uh, I want to say I am well aware that many of the people listening to this show are going or have gone through things much more difficult than the one I'm about to go through. And I recognize that and understand that um, this is a scary thing for me to look look at. But um, yeah, I, I know that people have endured much worse and are enduring much worse. And I'm, uh, I'm grateful for the things that I have and the life that I have and for the support that I've, I've got in my life, both uh, in my family and, and across the internet of people who have really reached out and been sweet and wonderful as I mentioned it on Twitter this morning. Um, so I'm not here to, you know, to, uh, ask for anybody's pity or, or, or any, you know, special attention. I just am trying to be honest about what's going on and, and let everybody know that I'm going to be, uh, like I dropped off the earth for a little while. It's just a weird thing, you know, in, in this, in this world of ours now where, the internet is everything not being on the internet for that long for up to six weeks or maybe more, uh, does feel like I'm going to cease to exist for a little while. And that, and that's weird. And it's a little scary to feel like, you know, am, am I going to be able to come back and be the same person I was before I left with the same audience and all that stuff, it, it, you know? Um, so those are legitimate worries. And I, um, am very grateful for everything everybody has said and, and, and done. Um, but, but like I said, it is, I understand that this is, um, a relatively short part of my life and a relatively, uh, minor surgery, uh, compared to what a lot of people go through. So, um, yeah, I just recently, I hope other people saw this. I, I just recently saw, uh, a, a wonderful thing from Stephen Colbert where he was being interviewed, um, on CNN yes. and, he he mentioned how the bad stuff in life he's grateful for because it makes you more human uh, because it allows you to relate to other people in a deeper, more personal way. And I am reminded of that and feel that today uh, as I experience my own fear and uh, I don't know, uh, trauma, I guess, <laughs> from, from getting this kind of news and expecting what I'm going to have to go through. I, I do think about other people and I do feel like I'm a little bit more connected to that kind of experience and sympathize a bit better. So, uh, I do have to feel a little grateful in that respect as well. And I think those are wise words, uh, that I heard. So anyway, I, like I said, I don't want to indulge in this too much. We do want to do a show. I have to say right here at the top that I'm going to uh, participate less than I normally do because I, I basically have been dealing with this all week. I haven't played any video games uh, or read much news because I'm not supposed to read. Um, evidently, um, the movement of your eye when you read is uh, enough to be damaging with the condition that I have right now. So um, I'm trying to read less and, and after the procedure on Monday, I won't be able to read at all for many weeks um, so it will feel, I, I, appreciate everybody that sent kind wishes and, um, I, after Monday, I won't be able to read any of them. So, uh, I apologize if I don't get back to anybody or respond. Um, 
I can't talk. I can't even dictate messages. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be something, but, um, um, schedule tweets and yeah. every day just have the tweet be like, Oh no, what wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. Did you guys see this? Look what Trump did now. And then, like, oh, man. In Congress. Disney's killing it. And then like the next day, disappointed by what Disney did today. And- <laughs> yeah. Can you believe that Sony screwed up another one? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're good. There we go. That's six weeks of content. Nailed it. Uh, evidently, uh, evidently we were, I was only allowed to do 300 of these guys. So we did episode 300 last week and then my eyes went, nope, no more for you. Yeah. Um, everyone's like, how are you going to top it? Garnet's back. We did 300. There's no way we're doing anything after that. And the world yeah. was like, yeah, dude, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, my eyes were like, yeah, I can't even, I won't let you see that. Uh, all right. Um, I have talked about my stuff enough. Let's uh, start the show the way we always do the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email, dlcfeedback at gmail.com, or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Um... Rich, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? So I love the business of video games. Uh, I I work at Out of the Park Developments, and so now it's my job to understand the business of video games and and enjoying the business and understanding it are sometimes the same and sometimes very different. But with that sort of as the the backdrop, my story of the week is where Sony purchased Spider-Man, Ratchet & Clank developer, Insomniac Games. I... I find it fascinating how the different players, both the, the, the longtime players of the Microsoft and the Sonys of the world and the you know, newcomers, if you want to call them that, like you know, Google with, with Stadia, are doing what they're doing, whether it's buying studios or locking down distribution channels or pivoting to different types of approaches with services. And so this is just another one of the sort of shots in the, I don't even know if you call it a console war anymore, just a platform war or a, you know, ownership war, whatever it is that these massive behemoth, you know, multi-billion dollar companies are doing with gaming. And uh, Sony adding Insomniac as their own is really interesting to me. Obviously, Spider-Man was wildly successful and and Sony wants to to maximize their you know ability to profit from that relationship. Uh, as a as a pure fan, though, my favorite hope or I, my favorite hope I don't know if that's a even I can use that phrase. But what I'm yeah, it's a new hope. Most, Everybody's favorite hope is a new hope. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> I like Bob Hope. Okay, that's a good hope too. <laughs> is Ratchet and Clank. Who doesn't want a new next generation Ratchet and Clank? So if anything out of this, I'm hoping that's 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 one of the things that comes out of it. But yeah, to me, this is the story of the week because again, it's just another battle in this in this ever growing war to sort of own the best platform and the best content and all of that. I saw a great tweet um, online when this was announced. Uh, somebody says. Um, um, Sony announces a purchase of Insomniac. Insomniac employees announce we weren't already owned by Sony. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those things where Insomniac for many years worked sort of as a as a first party right. Sony uh, house, and then 
all of a sudden goes out and makes some interesting other games for other platforms. Sunset and Overdrive, right? Was there big Sunset Overdrive, right? Ex- Xbox exclusive, which you know wasn't a huge hit. And uh, they, Fuse was EA and multi-platform, Edge of Nowhere, yeah. all the oh. VR stuff they've been doing. Yeah, they that. even did. They even published a game through GameStop, the, yeah. the uh, chain of stores that started publishing. They can't remember the name of that game, but it was that submarine two D. Yeah, game. kind of Metroidvania of, kind of thing. Sea of something, right? Sea of something. Um, yeah, and so they did all the, and then of course, Spider Man is a Sony exclusive, and you'd got to think, or at least I would assume, that post Spider Man, the price to acquire Insomniac went way up. Uh, Pre Spider Man, they hadn't really had a giant hit like that in in a little little bit, and you got to imagine that. Spider-Man itself made that acquisition both more interesting for Sony, more desirable for Sony, but also way more expensive for Sony. I, of course, I don't know the details, but I have to assume that's the case. Wouldn't you think, Christian? Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, you know, coming off of Fuse or Sunset Overdrive, I, I would imagine that assuming they were for sale, right? That's the other side of this is maybe people were trying to buy them then also Insomniac was like, no, no, no. And yeah, but now after Spider-Man, you know, one of the biggest games of this console generation um, in terms of acclaim and sales that you would have to imagine that they're that the price that they would ask is or the, you know, the people who the board or whatever it is would be higher now than before. But I think that's because it really showed the quality of of the studio and what they make. I think the Ratchet and Clank, you know, remake was fantastic. And this showed that they can really take everything that is so incredible about that studio and what they can bring to a project to a major franchise and IP like Spider-Man, you know, that's a high pressure situation that a lot of, I think studios or developers maybe couldn't deliver on and Insomniac delivered Spider-Man and knocked it out of the park. So I'm sure they were more expensive, but I also think they earned every penny of that higher expense. Rich, what about you? You know, I don't think anybody understands what money means anymore because (laughs) You know, just that it doesn't even just the prices and the valuations for things like, uh, you know, you look around, like, for example, when Lyft and and Uber did their IPOs, right? These are companies that don't actually own anything. And yet they're worth, you know, $47 billion worth of stuff. So I think everyone's basically betting on the future and that kind of like in sports, right? That's why everyone in baseball has been signing all of their young players to these very high contracts because they think in six or seven years, those contracts are actually going to look cheap compared to the market then. So I think that right. this is just an investment in in an extraordinary sum of money, betting that because of the way of the uh, economics work, it's going to look like a good deal in the not too distant future. But yet for everybody who's making the deal today, particularly those folks at Insomniac, hopefully they're getting rewarded handsomely um, because of uh, of the hard work and, and probably a, a near time overpayment that hopefully over the long term, the actuaries crunch the numbers and turns out to be a win for everybody. I, I view Insomniac as a top tier developer. It's certainly one of the one one of my favorites and one that I'm always um, I tend to always be impressed with their output and their creativity. Uh, I am a little bummed that it sounds like one of the best VR developers uh, is going to be, if not, not doing any VR at all, uh, then probably just doing VR for, for PlayStation VR. 
which, you know, if we get an update to that hardware, it could be a really great thing because there's already a wonderful stable of Sony exclusive VR games. And you got to think that uh, a developer with the pedigree for VR that uh, Insomniac has will be used in that way by Sony or encouraged at least, at the very least. Uh, and we do still have one more big Insomniac VR game yet to come out. Stormland still is an Oculus exclusive that will be coming out shortly um, from them. So, uh, I, you know, as, as a VR enthusiast, if I can still perceive it when, when these things happen, I'll be really excited to, um, to play more VR from them. And I hope that the, the, the hardware that they're putting their games out on is worthy of the level of quality because Stormland certainly looks incredible. And I've loved edge of nowhere and, um, feral rights was, was really solid as well. Uh, so, you know, they, they, and, um, un what is the other un un what was the the wizard fighting one uh, it was also very good anyway so we'll we'll stay tuned on that and see what happens as uh, insomniac becomes a first party sony developer for real uh christian spicer what is your story of the week well the last point on that i think you made a great point about insomniac and vr and maybe they can be the evangelist for hype you know the, the the reason for an upgrade to that hardware, you know, if, if a developer that has proven chops working on higher end hardware and says like, we want to make these incredible VR games, we can't do it with these move controllers like that. That can be yeah. the spark that oh, maybe man. gets it done, uh, you know, for the next generation. Or Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my story of the week is uh, something that will probably be covered more on uh, film podcast. Maybe you guys did slash film stuff on it. And I don't want to get into the weeds of it, but uh, I think it's interesting from a video game perspective for two reasons. And the story is uh, the Uncharted film is uh, now currently looking for another director um, that did not work out. Uh, creative differences separated um friend of the show mr dan trachtenberg and uh my often game of the show uncharted <laughs> yeah um game for, of the forever for you yeah game of the forever for me um from this current project they were working on and then part of that news is that playstation productions the newly formed playstation productions is joining um they're producing it alongside um all of the producers that were attached to it for what over a decade now or whatever it is and playstation productions is the new kind of film and tv production space that sony and playstation set up to i think it was a twisted metal um franchise being brought over to television and kind of work on getting the sony ips out um you know into tvs and movies and so it's not necessarily clear if these two things you know one resulted in the other like the continued problems getting this film out resulted in playstation productions kind of coming in and saying we're going to you know write this ship and we got to get this done or if it was maybe going to happen um anyway but i think it's interesting from a video game perspective in this conversation of in the year you know coming off of detective pikachu and the tomb raider films and that sequel coming out it really felt like you know, video game to me, at least it felt like video games were going to be, and I know Jeff, you had said this before, like achieve that moment that um, Iron Man and the MCU kind of did and Dark Knight for comic books where they bring, they finally cross that divide and they bring these video games into incredible cinematic experiences. And while I don't know 
any of the specifics of this. I, I do know all of the work of Dan's that I've watched, <laughs> uh, including the Warframe trailer and the pilot of the boys. And, and I am bummed. I'm very bummed because I, I felt like when this was announced, if anyone was going to, to do it, he was certainly the person to do it. And now it looks like the uncharted film is uh hanging like Nate on the cover of uncharted two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, will it or won't it? So it's just kind of a, uh, I felt like we were so close, Rich. I felt like we were so close and now it feels like we're so far away again. Well, I think it's just a, it's another example of, of why in most cases, you know, and I put it in air quotes, video game movies are so hard to make because the people, it feels like the people who really get video games don't get movies and the people who get movies don't get video games. And I know that's not true, but it feels like it because if this guy who we know loves Uncharted is having, and I'm sort of paraphrasing what he said, creative differences with the people that are sort of funding this. I don't know who could possibly get it right. It's not, I'm not saying it can't get made right. I'm not saying this thing when it ultimately gets produced won't be fantastic. It just is puzzling to me. If, if, if Dan Trachtenberg can't do it, I can't imagine how it is going to get done in a way that's going to work, but I, I hope I'm wrong, but boy, from where we're standing right now, it, it looks like it's got a tough road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of have to be careful what I say about this because I know a you lot don't need of to, Yeah, you don't need to say anything. Uh, I, will, I will say this. Um, I know the movie that – or I have a sense of the movie that Dan wanted to make. And I do – as I tweeted, I do think it's a loss uh, for all of us that wanted a great Uncharted movie that he's not making it. Uh, and Dan himself tweeted that all his life he's been curious about the phrase uh, creative differences when people leave projects. And now he finally understands what that means. Um, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, and there is another thing that Dan said to me years and years and years ago before he was a big time Hollywood director Um that has rung true. And I've, I've oft quoted uh, him saying that um, he said in, in reference to Hollywood and in, in a lot of things, but specifically in reference to Hollywood, most S doesn't happen. And that's the truth. Uh, even when you hear the quote unquote announcement of something happening and everybody gets all hot and lathered up on, on, on the internet, it doesn't mean something's actually happening. And, um, most stuff doesn't happen. Uh, it is, uh, it's harder to get something made than I think people think it's even after something has been announced as being made. Uh, it is, uh, sometimes announcements of things being made don't have anything to do with the reality of whether they're being <laughs> made or not. Sometimes, uh, that, and I think that's true with a lot of things with video games as well we get all excited about these announcements we get all excited I was gonna about say jason schreier's article about uh anthem <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh my gosh announcing totally. that being made and showing what they hoped to make almost yeah. made making that harder <laughs> right I, and i'm not saying anything specific about un the uncharted movie at all i'm, I'm really saying in, in a more general way that we as enthusiasts read into things a lot and um and think we kind of understand what's going on and take news bits as being gospel. And it, there, it is so much more complicated and uncertain than that. 
and these are human beings that are throwing around hundreds of millions of dollars to make things. And so decisions often have to go through many, 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 many steps and often get changed because people get hired or fired. There's a million things that can affect whether these projects actually happen or not. And almost never are they what the the enthusiast press thinks they are. Right, <laughs> People right. make big inferences about stuff and 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 think they understand how these industries work, and and, and that's you know the show included. I'm sure we've said a lot of things that were really stupid to the people that were actually making the things because we're just guessing. And it's fun. It's fun to Spicerdomus doesn't guess, Jeff. I've never <laughs> been wrong about anything. I will only say me. I'm the only one who's got things wrong. Well, you know, um, you know, it's funny, Jeff. I spent ten years writing about sports video games and 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 podcasting about sports video games, and and we still do. And I've been in the business now, sort of, you know, on the on development side for three years. And the, the thing I realized within the first fifteen minutes of starting is, for the ten years I was talking about it, I had literally no idea what I was talking about. No clue. Yes. And now you it's can't so talk true. about it. No, just exactly. Kidding. Exactly. Yeah. Now that I'm qualified to discuss it, I can't. And that's and that's my experience uh, talking with Dan. And you just realize, oh my, how wrong so many people are about so many things, uh, and how simple some things are, and how complex other things are. You know, it is, it is almost never what you think it's about. So anyway, I, I don't mean to be you know, weird. And, and I don't mean to tread on my friendship with him in, in any way that makes me seem smarter than I am. I'm literally just saying that I've had an education myself, uh, in, in that kind of thing. And, uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. I think it's a loss. Like I said, it's a loss for everybody that was looking forward to a really excellent uncharted movie. I have a lot less confidence that if we actually get one, uh, it will be good or it will be as good as it could have been. Were Dan at the helm, uh, and that's, that's not just because he's my friend, but because I have some insight into how he was thinking about the project and, uh, you know, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, but I have no doubt that the next thing he attaches himself to will be spectacular. Uh, there's other stuff here, Jeff, but I've also, if you'd like, and I know stuff that you've read, I want to tee up any Gamescom stuff for you. Not saying that needs to be your Please. story of the week. No, actually, I, we should talk about Gamescom. It was this week. It's big, big, big show. Big, very big shoe. So, yeah. uh, 400,000, I think, people attended uh, Gamescom, uh, which a is... Few more than E3, yeah. Yeah, just a few. Mind-boggling. Um, a few things that came out of it, and then I want to get your opinions for things I leave out, Jeff. So we had... The Nindy World, Nindy's is gone. Now it's the Indie World Showcase, which I guess was kind of the rest of People the world. Just, they didn't get the the portmanteau, man. It's I know. Bummer. It's done. I tried to sell them on that, but you know, everybody's like, can't handle that. Can't handle that portmanteau. No, we're done. We're out of it. Uh, a whole bunch of Indies were released. Super hot dropped when it was announced. Um, as we kind of talked about on episode three hundred, the broader idea behind it. Um, Microsoft Game Studios, the long-rumored Ori and the Blind Forest, is coming on September 27th. Um, and a whole bunch of other... Blasphemous got a date of September 10th. I know people are very excited for that. Um, Torchlight 2 is September 3rd. Risk of Rain 2 is some other time. <laughs> some others were like winter. Um, but a bunch of really great indies. Another thing that came out was the Mortal Kombat 11 Combat Pack. Um, showing Arnold's, I was going to do an Arnold, and then I realized I couldn't. Arnold's T eight hundred Terminator, Sindel, Joker, Spawn, in addition to uh, Shang Tsung and Nightwolf. And it, dude, 
I love this Mortal Kombat 11 engine doing real people that I know because I know that they're digitizing actors to play the Mortal Kombat characters and the, you know, and the DC characters when they're using that engine for, you know, for um, in, um, Injustice. But when you see Arnold Schwarzenegger walk out of the shadows and it looks exactly like old ass Arnold Schwarzenegger, that was pretty amazing. It looks incredible uh, it looks <laughs> it's like it's him yeah it's crazy it looks absolutely incredible we learned that uh <laughs> you can pee in death stranding <laughs> i guess important information that all that we all should know <laughs> and uh then there's a bunch that for me the other highlights and again dive in on any of these and let's talk you know more about them jeff as as what you want to focus on but also, I think the other big things for me that came out of this were hands-on time with, you know, a little more Death Stranding information, uh, P included, and then people getting to spend time with Avengers and kind of that, um, what we kind of guessed that first showing is kind of like a prequel, you know, setup for the game is kind of, in fact, what it is. And people got to play that. And uh, then there was hands-on with the Switch Lite. Those were kind of some of the big takeaways for me, but I'm curious uh, what kind of grabbed your attention or what you wanted to focus on from Gamescom. I mean, I, there's a lot here and there's a a lot to be excited about. I think Um, who doesn't love a good urine stream. Am I right? Uh, But (laughs) the, for me, I, I just, I'm much more excited about this continued love affair that Nintendo is having with independent games. And this is, I mean, we've said it multiple times now, but it bears repeating. This is the thing that we all wanted for the Vita. We all have been hoping for that these cool, quirky, awesome, deep, interesting, independent games would have their platform and really feel like you could take them with you and play them anywhere. And now that has is happening and Nintendo continues to strengthen that and, and make a big deal about it and... Uh, they it's it's like a who's who of amazing independent games and yes we don't know specific dates on all of these and yes you can play most of them already on pc but to be able to play them on this cool portable console with a great screen and and very serviceable controls it's a big deal and i'm very excited uh for torchlight 2 for example to be on that system and for um what else is on here that I was at risk of rain to is, is a, is a great example of something that seems like it would work very, very well there. Uh, or in the blind fortress. I know you're a huge fan of that game, Christian trying four, which is not even out at all yet uh, coming to the, the switch. Uh, you know, the, it's very heartening to me that they're continuing to do this. They understand that these, this adds a lot of value to this console and I believe it does. I, I, this is what I mostly play on my Switch now. I mean, I there are the the great Nintendo first party games, but for the most part, my Switch is this awesome independent games machine. And yes, high five, bravo! Yeah, there is certainly a lot to like in this, and I think even the games that are out, you know, that are out on PC, I think coming to the Switch, as you mentioned, is is a really big get, and and a lot of people you know, gamers play on Switch that don't have PCs. And I think a lot of these games also, in my opinion, are better played on something like the Switch. Um, Control stuff aside, but in terms of just the pickup and playability versus, you know, I'm going to sit at my gaming PC kind of approach and you can just, you know, 
do some runs in hotline Miami or something like that, or whatever you're going to do. Um, I think is really exciting. Um, yeah. Rich, is there anything from gamescom that jumped out at you that you kind of wanted to spend some time on before we kind of keep chugging? Well, I, uh, out of the park baseball and franchise hockey manager while sports games are also strategy games. So as in the last few years, uh, as I've been working with out of the park, I've also spent a lot of time playing PC strategy games because those, you know, just the better you get at, at the kind of, uh, at that kind of, uh, of a game, sort of the, the better you get at making your own. And there was an announcement of, of a game called humankind yeah. from amplitude studios. And, uh, I'm just very excited for this because it, it's, uh, it it's, looks very, very interesting. And basically what happens is you you foster a world through six distinct eras, all of which have 10 different cultures to choose from. And I'm just reading the description here where it says, so by the end of your session, civilization could be, for example, a mixture of Egyptian, Japanese, and British architecture uh, with all the cultural hallmarks that come from that as an example. And so as somebody who has really just the last few years dove deeply back into the kind of games that i started playing on the PC 25 or more years ago, humankind to me was the one that made me go, Ooh, that's something I definitely want to check out. Yeah. This is Sega again, right? Like Sega seems to be doing stuff again. The Genesis mini is something that I'm very excited about, which is looking back, but uh, they've got some stuff coming out looking forward as well. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do and, and how they position themselves getting ready for this, as you mentioned, Rich, the consolidation, uh, <laughs> the, the platform yeah. wars of, um, of what games are becoming as we move into the next and final generation, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. <laughs> or, or whatever it's, is it even a generation anymore? Is it just, it, uh, who, no one knows. We don't know. It'll Nobody be, has an idea. It'll be the next generation and then many years will pass and then it'll just be Picard. And it'll, everybody <laughs> will be excited again. I am completely down for There's, that. Wait, I am, I'll sign up for we that. We don't right get now. deep space Nintendo. Like what? Are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm. I played Deep Space Nintendo. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it'd be a real discovery. Yeah, keep them going, keep them going. This whole enterprise <laughs> is great. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, so yeah, lots of cool games, Gamescom stuff. Uh, I, you know, it, it doesn't, it still isn't E3 level like you know announcements, but but it's a huge show and it, it has a, it's a big part of the gaming calendar and. Um, exciting. Lots of excitement. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me thank our first sponsor. You've heard me talk about Squarespace for a long time. That's because I've used Squarespace for a long time. And uh, jeffcanada.com is housed on Squarespace, was created on Squarespace. And if you have any need for a website, I highly recommend using Squarespace because it'll save you on a myriad level. <laughs> it'll save you time, energy, money probably because you don't have to hire a professional web developer. You don't have to learn HTML. You don't have to kill yourself trying to make a cool looking website. You can just do it very, very easily. Do it yourself by using the tools that Squarespace offers. You can drag and drop everything. It's so simple. You just start with a template made by their world-class designers and you start moving stuff around, making it look like you want it to look, make it your own you start on the, with this cool thing and then you make it even cooler because you personalize it in the simplest possible ways. You don't have to worry about coding. You don't have to worry about 
optimizing for any device. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't do anything. Everything is updated for you in the background. You don't have to download patches ever. Uh, Also, there's award-winning 24-7 support where if you do run into any problems or questions, you can always get a quick, clear answer. It's amazing. Even if you want to sell something online, Squarespace makes it easy. They have a drag and drop e-commerce plugin that you can just put into your site and let you uh, charge money for, for any products you want to sell. It's just so simple. Why not make it yourself? Make it stand out and do it with Squarespace. Uh, if you head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, uh, you can get a free trial and you don't even have to enter your credit card. You, you get to build your site using their tools for absolutely for free. See if you like it. And then when you're ready to launch, use the promo code Jeff sent me to save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain for that matter. Again, that's Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. It is that very wonderful time of year when we bring Rich back on the show to give us his take on a new season of sports games. Rich is our sports correspondent, official sports correspondent. And we got a new Madden up in here. So hit us with the with that deep sports knowledge, Rich Grisham. So I got to tell you, I am in such a good headspace with sports games on console these days. Wow. And the reason is because they have continued, and this is really almost sort of across the board, they, and I'm sort of lumping in Madden, uh, the show, NBA 2K in particular, um, have just done a tremendous job of setting people up to play these games in a way that they would like to. I don't know that people understand the depth of that. So, for example, I love football, love the NFL, love Madden. I've played every single Madden that's come out because I'm I'm that old. Like when the very <laughs> first one came out, I was actually, I played it. Yeah. And Same. the way that I play Madden now is great because I, first of all, I hop on my treadmill because I, I play most of my sports video games on my treadmill. I go three miles in 46 minutes. So wow. I'm walking at a brisk pace, nice. but I'm not running. Right. Um, and again, inspired by you, Jeff geeks and sneaks that that's all started with, with this whole thing. Thanks. And I started up and I start off my franchise and I hit the button to play the game. And I say, I want to play offense only. And all I do is play offense because that's fun to play offense in Madden these days, because Madden this year in particular, I can play offense. Well, I can pass the ball. Well, I can run the ball. Well, in the last couple, two or three years, I really struggled with offense as the developers sort of made the game more challenging and sort of tilted toward tilted the gameplay style more towards supporting their, their esports model and, and, and competitive balance, which is fine. Um, so now I just, I crank up my franchise. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start with my Eagles and I'm going to, I'm going to play them. And when I play a game on offense only, and by the way, I don't have to like go through hoops. It's literally an option. They're like, here, you just want to play offense. I say yes. And then boop, next thing I know I've got the ball. And then whether I score or punt or whatever, as soon as I do that, then you very quickly see what's happening when your defense is on the field and boom, you're back playing offense again. I'm able to crank through a season in like five treadmill sessions, which is 
it was very difficult to do anything like that. I mean, you want to play a full game of Madden. You know, generally speaking, you got to put 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Now I'm getting through these in 15, 20 minutes. And it's it's simulating the the defensive side of the ball for you. And are you ever feeling like, ugh, it's just letting the other team score? Or I mean, it, sometimes, yeah, yeah. But that's football, right? I mean, <laughs> right. we all watch our teams, and sometimes you're like, come on, why can't you stop anybody? What's going right, on? Right? right? It's it's very much like being a in, in during that during that time, very much like being a head coach and just sort of seeing what's what's going on. Um, and so I'm really just. And really enjoying the fact that I'm able to play the way I want to, because I don't feel like I'm effective when I play defense. I'm just, I always have the tendency, I'll just take the defensive tackle so that I can cause the least amount of problems on the field. So right. that I don't accidentally touch the, you know, tap the the cornerback icon. And then the next thing I know, instead of running right along the wide receiver, he's all of a sudden running the other Dude, way. Where that is, I so agree. That is exactly, you want to, you, I want to be able to rush the passer and then let the computer do everything else because exactly. uh, I'm just going to mess it up. And that is not fun right. for me. It might be fun for other people, right? And again, that's what I love because you can also, there's a setting where you're like, I just want to play defense, right? If you're that guy who's like, ah, I can't stand playing offense, but I want to play defense, you can do that. What or if they I have the, what's called special the, teams. I just want, I just don't think they have special teams. I just, just want to be a kicker. I want to live the dream of being the kicker. So you're in the, can you're playing video please? games all game until it's time for you to come out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's literally like it simulates everything except the last kick of the game and you, and you miss it. And then it like simulates you feeling terrible and getting <laughs> traded to another team. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. So yeah, I'm just, I am banging through. See, and what's cool too is again, this is sacrilege, right? You talk to a, a long time Madden player. They want to manage the salary cap. They want to draft right. players. You know, they want to do all of that stuff. They want to renegotiate contracts. That's fine. Jeff, there is nothing more boring in the world to me than salary cap talk. Right, right. I, I cannot deal with salary cap talk. And if you're forcing me to manage my salary cap in my Madden, not happening again. Right. Somebody else wants to do that. That's great. You know, you go hang out with the guys on the operation sports forums and they're going to talk to you about that stuff. So I just love the fact that, that it's available to me as a guy who has a, a, a career, a family, children, a band, like being able to still get this experience is great. And then what happens is after I crank through my one season, I don't, do the draft. I don't do anything. I just start over with a different team. So far I've played full seasons with the Eagles and the Browns and I both had good seasons. And then I'm like, well, let me have a challenge. So now I'm playing as the Buccaneers. And again, the, 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 the hardcore Madden player, this is sacrilege, but I'm having more fun playing Madden this way than I have in years. It doesn't hurt that the, it, it feels like they've made it easier this year because hmm. i'm i haven't gotten any better at madden but i'm having more success because you're doing year. less and i <laughs> you think the on the field <laughs> the on the field game is easier on offense yeah. <laughs> yeah. but on offense i'm able to complete more passes i mean i used to just be an interception machine in madden right. for the last last three maddens before this one but now i'm able to, to play i'm able to complete more passes i'm able to you know I don't have that middle linebacker jumping up and intercepting me all the time. Like when I'm throwing a slant, I can complete them a lot. When I'm running the ball between the tackles, I'm, I'm able to have more success. But again, that was as the Eagles. When I was with the Browns, I couldn't run the ball at all. But that's because their offensive line is terrible. Right. And so there is a you know there's some sports games you play where it almost doesn't matter what team you're playing. They're all they all kind of feel the same. 
when you're playing the Buccaneers or the Browns or the Eagles in Madden, you know you're playing the Buccaneers or the Browns or the Eagles. They play differently. You have to do things differently. You know, the same formula doesn't work. So between the combination of making it a little more user-friendly on offense um, and, and sort of me stepping out of what I feel like is this obligatory, I can only play as my favorite team and I must play the entire franchise and I must do this and that. Like when you step away from it and you say, you know what, it's okay to just have fun however you want to have fun. The fact that Madden makes it really easy to do that I love it. So I'm having a blast playing Madden the totally wrong way. I'm sorry, Madden fans of the world, but I'm playing it wrong, but I'm having a blast this year. Well, I think there's no wrong way to have fun. I don't, you know, you don't, uh, you don't yuck anybody else's yum. And if you, it's in the game, it's in the, it's in the game, you know, it's, uh, it's worthwhile. It sounds like a blast. It sounds like the lowest friction way to just get in and have the kind of fun you want to have. And why not? You know, you shouldn't feel any, sense of wrongness about that. I think that's fantastic. And it's, it's a pure version of, of just going in and having some good football fun. So, and you know, another example of that is, is MLB 19, the show. So this came out back in March, right? It's not like it's a new game, but they introduced a mode called March to October. Mm -hmm. I don't play anything in the show now, except for March to October, Hmm. because what that does is instead of playing a full season of 162 games, like, and, and, probably about two years ago, I quote unquote invented a way for me to play the show, which was, I would do this thing called player lock for the first five or six innings. So I would take two or three at bats with a player. And then in like the sixth or the seventh inning, I would just unlock that. I would go back to regular baseball mode for the last three or four innings. And that was fun. And again, when you're on a treadmill, you sort of get into that zone where you get that 46 minutes of playing and it's fine. And I played a full 162 game season, but March to October, which came out this year, Basically, it's like playing the greatest hits of a baseball season. So your first interaction is, okay, it's opening day and it's one to nothing and it's the seventh inning. Go close out this win. And then if you win, then you get a little bit of momentum and your team will do a little bit better. And then it'll go, it'll fast forward four or five or six days. And then the next situation will be, oh, it's the ninth inning. You're down by a run and there's a guy on second base. Try to win the game. And then if you win or you lose, you'll get a momentum or lose a little momentum. And then the next item might be, okay, now you're just going to be the right fielder for this game. You're going to have all his plays in the field and all of his at-bats. And over the course of probably six hours or so, you go through an entire season and you're just placed into a very wide variety of moments. Sometimes it's a moment that, or sometimes it's a situation that might take 30 minutes to go through. Sometimes it'll take you three minutes, Hmm. but it's just a unique way to play the game that has once again allowed me to step out of this mindset of, you know, 30 plus years playing sports video games of how you're supposed to play them. And I have played five marches to October. I played one as the Mets. I played one as the Astros. And then I increased the difficulty, played one as the Tampa Bay Rays, played one as the Diamondbacks. And now I'm doing the Mets again, but I'm doing it on a much higher difficulty. And so again, I'm, I'm experiencing everything that's great about the show with the added element of, okay, I'm a participant in this roller coaster Mm. as opposed to I'm having direct influence on every inning of every game. And these are the kind of things that, as I said at the start, have put me in a really good headspace with sports video games these days, because if you want to, 
you can get a lot out of them in a lot of different ways than you could just a few years ago. Man, what a wonderful segment. I, I love your insight into this. It's so great. It makes me want to buy these games. Uh, and and that particularly that MLB the show mode, it sounds like the NFL red zone of video games, you know, or just the coolest moments, yeah. you know, um, that is, that is really great. And it's awesome that these games or these, these developers have recognized that and added modes that make that possible because these games have to be all things for all people, but often in their history, it seems to me, they've interpreted that as being one thing for all people. And uh, right. it, it does feel like these games have opened up quite a bit and allowed for wildly different kinds of sports fans to still get their specific itches scratched, which is cool. And not, a, not only that, Jeff, there, there's a running narrative in the sports game community that all of these makers of sports games only care about their ultimate team slash diamond dynasty slash, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, microtransaction based mode they have, and that's all they care about. And they have abandoned their fans uh, who, who like the more traditional. And this I, I've known personally, cause I, I'm, I have good friends who work on most of these games. Um, I've known that not to be the case, but it's difficult, even if you know something to be the case, to convince other people. Right. These kinds of things, to me, hopefully prove, like the MLB The Show guys did not need to make March to October. MLB The Show already had lots of different ways to play the game. They didn't need to do it, but they are trying to make their game more appealing to people I didn't even know I wanted something like this. Right. And now it's, it's the only way I play. So again, it also proves these guys who make these games, they do care about their longtime fans. They're not all just about their, uh, you know, microtransaction based modes. Not at all. They're important because that's frankly why these games are still made today because they're so expensive to make, mm -hmm. but they care about all their fans and they prove it on a, on a yearly basis. Well, that's really cool, man. Christian, what do you, does that make you want to play sports games again? So I, I love the idea of being able to play it your way. And I think, you know, we've seen that. And I think as Rich mentioned, it's kind of been that they've dabbled in it before, but the last few years in particular, they've really highlighted these modes. And I think um, uh, FIFA was it FIFA last year and like kind of the updates along the way of like, it's the world cup now or premier league and kind of creating these modes or updates to the game that totally don't need to be added, but give players a new way to play in between annual releases i think is really fun and exciting for me the, the big sticking point still is um has someone who played them for a very long time <clears throat> excuse me and then kind of bounced off and dabbles basically with mlb the show every couple of years and, and, and nba 2k every couple of years is that while it sounds very exciting what rich is describing i don't have the game literacy to be able to pull off the one to zero save because I don't understand the pitching. <laughs> it's like, oh, it still yeah. requires some understanding of the mechanics of the video game, not the game um, of baseball or football or soccer or whatever, but the, of, of the video game. And they've changed very much from when I was playing them a lot, kind of in the early two thousands or early, or early 2010s. Um, but they're, I, I know that they're marching on that as well and trying to find ways to make those fun and exciting. And I think the thing that I, I'm i most amazed by is that all the stuff Rich talked about, to my knowledge, that hasn't resulted in 
all the stuff that all the hardcore players love being taken away. It's not as if you can't still obsess over budget or drafts or recruiting class or franchise management. Like that's all still there. And so is all this other stuff. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and again, an NBA 2K is probably the best example of if you want anything, it's there. Like NBA, NBA sort of blows the doors off of, of Madden in the show when it comes to the amount of things that you can do and how you can do them. NBA 2K19 has two completely distinct general manager modes. Two, not one, <laughs> two. One of them is a story where you play this crazy guy who has to deal with all these crazy guys. And the other is the quote unquote sort of standard and it can be online with your friends or not. I mean, NBA 2K and, and people love love to complain about NBA 2K and it's and it's virtual currency and those complaints are are valid. I'm not saying they're not. But NBA 2K delivers the most value to the market every single year with the wide variety of of ways to play and if you want to go in depth to the to the nth detail on anything that you're talking about Christian budgets and and drafting and all that you can or you can just be a dude like me who really loves to play basketball because it looks so cool because the guys play like they play in real yeah. life and they can and, and you can just have a blast on the court. You can just do that. And that's what I do in NBA 2K. Yeah. Rich, this is why you are our official sports correspondent, because uh, what a fantastic insight into the games and, and a real f- feel for what makes them so fun and what they've added and and how these uh, franchises have evolved. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. You are very welcome, my friend. But I know that's not all that you have been playing. Uh, what else is on your playlist? I have been immersed in Detroit Become Human. Hmm. I was very late to the party. I've always, I don't understand why this is. You know, we all have these little idiosyncrasies about ourselves that I think sometimes we don't understand. I've played all of the David Cage Quantic Dream games, but I played them all like a year or two after they came out. I have no idea why. It just, that's how it happened. I played Heavy Rain late, blew my mind. Sticks with me to this day. Of course, I can't think of Heavy Rain without you, Jeff. Jason! 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 Jason. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I played Beyond Two Souls probably a year or two after it came out. And now I'm playing uh, Detroit Become Human. I have to be almost near the end. Uh, I haven't finished it, but I am absolutely stunned by Detroit Become Human. I don't love everything about it. Uh, And in fact, I wasn't sure after the first hour that I was going to play it because especially early on, it's incredibly dark and very sad, very, very sad. And I, I, I try to avoid sad experiences when it comes to video games and movies and music. I mean, I'm not saying I avoid them altogether, but I've in the last few years, especially I've tried to veer towards kind of things that aren't so dark. Although I've, I've definitely watched and played games that are, but it's really, really sad in the beginning. But I, as it goes on, I am amazed at the incredible quality of the production. I think the facial expressions of of the characters. I cannot think of another game that has a better uh, is has ever been as good at conveying emotion. Which is kind of ironic because a lot of the characters you're interacting with are androids, right. they're not even human. Yeah. Um, I think that again, the, the visual prowess and the, the the integration of the of the music and the sound is. Just again, a, a, an amazing production value. 
And the design, am, design of the world oh, is really extraordinary too. It's, it's so much thought has gone into how all of that stuff works in the context of a world that has androids. It's pretty cool. And, and the, the whole, and you talked about this. I, I don't remember exactly when it was. It's been a while, but Jeff, I remember you talked about it when you played it and you finished it, you know, the, the, how they sort of changed the approach with what they unveiled to you, sort of what's happening underneath the covers where after yeah. at the end of every chapter, you can see sort of your path, but you can see, Oh, there was a lot of other paths that I, I did not experience and how many people experienced what I did and, and so on. I am just, I am blown away by Detroit become human. Again, I don't love everything about it. Although I think I do the, the area where I differ with you the most, Jeff, if I remember, you really thought that the story itself was very heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and again, I'm paraphrasing something you said along the lines of the, the, the you know, the, the characters sort of walk up to the camera and state <laughs> what they're thinking yeah. instead of sort of letting the, the game sort of let that come to you. But I, I tell you, there's a lot of times where there are very, subtle nods or subtle movements or the camera just slightly changes a different way. I am, I, 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 I'm loving the story. I'm, I'm loving the presentation, loving it again. I'm almost done. I have a feeling I'm going to play it again. I've never replayed any of these quantic dreams games before, but yeah, I, you know, if you have not, you, the general, you, if you have not played uh, beyond two souls, you should, because it's just, it's an experience that is really powerful and really interesting, even if Detroit it isn't. Human. You said Beyond Two Souls. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. I did Detroit <laughs> yeah, that was a good game. Not as good as Heavy Rain. And I don't, I, I agree. And and I don't think as good as, as, um, as Detroit Become Human. This game is also, almost a fe- feels to me like this is the culmination hmm. of, of, uh, of a process because I, again, I am just blown away by Detroit Become Human. It is a, a really amazing experience. Very cool. Uh, I I did not like it as much as you seem to, but I do think it's a very worthwhile experience. And yeah, extraordinary in a lot of ways. I mean, as you said, the the level of production just brought to bear on on it and how much thought was was put through. The, one of the cool things you have to look forward to, Rich, uh, is that at the end, one of the rewards for finishing the game is that you get to unlock a bunch of um, behind the scenes videos, little vignettes. And they're really cool. They're, uh, they're, you know, give you, they're not as long and, and, and in depth as I would have liked. I would have loved, I could have watched a four hour documentary about the making of that game. But um, the little glimpses that you do get are super cool and you make you realize, oh my. God, there was so much money spent on this game. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I hope I hope they did well. Like that, that's I. Th- this game had to cost a fortune, right? There's just no yes. way it didn't cost an absolute fortune yeah. to make because everything is so top notch. And now you know he says all his future games are going to be multi platform. So um, you know, I hope he finds the means to keep making these. Are seem very niche, but on such a grand scale that they they don't seem to be affordable as a niche, but you know, I hope he gets to keep making his vision because nobody out there is making games quite like it. They're, they're polarizing. They're not for everybody, but those of us that, that like them tend to really like them. Agreed. All right. Well, before we get to Christian's playlist, I do need to thank our second sponsor, which is quip. 
Oh, man, I love my Quip. I love my Quip. Perhaps you've heard me talk about it on the show before. Quip is my toothbrush. Not just any toothbrush. It's an electric toothbrush that actually makes my life easier. Makes my life easier. A toothbrush, you say? Yes, I say. It is so smart. This is a 21st century toothbrush. This is a toothbrush that actually takes stuff off of my mental load. It makes me have an easier time in my life because it handles making sure I'm brushing my teeth well, effectively, for the right amount of time. The way it works is it pulses after 30 seconds and then it turns itself off after two minutes. I have to admit, I'm a person that probably wasn't brushing my teeth for a full two minutes for most of my life. And that's bad. You should be brushing your teeth for two minutes. That's what dentists recommend. The Quip toothbrush keeps track of that time. It pulses after every 30 seconds. What I do is I, I do different quadrants of my mouth. Each 30 seconds, I'm rewind, reminded to move on to the next quadrant. Then after two minutes, I'm done. I don't have to think about it. I can let my mind wander, and I'm insured of the right amount of time. Plus, the bristles are much softer. They have sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on sensitive gums, which is nice. They've got this cool... Uh, container thing that doubles as a portable case but also sticks to the mirror so it's up and out of the way and off of the countertop. It's awesome. Plus, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. It's a friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. I know that I've used brushes much too long and then the bristles get used up and it's basically not effective anymore. 75% of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. Don't let that happen to you. Let them replace your bristles every three months like dentists recommend. It's great. It's great. I, I genuinely love my Quip. I recommend it to people. It's super weird, but I love recommending my toothbrush. Who recommends a toothbrush? I do because it has actually improved my life. It makes me not think about things. It's, it, I look forward to it because I can just start and let my mind wander. I don't have to think about brushing. I know that sounds strange, but you have to try this. <laughs> it's great. And we're going to make it easy for you to try it. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, And if you go to getquip.com slash DLC, that's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash DLC right now, you can get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. There's over 20,000 dental professionals that have backed Quip. So get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash DLC. Love Quip. Christian Spicer, I know you've been playing some really interesting stuff this week. Yeah, I'll start with two things that are quicker and then one thing that uh, we'll spend a little more time on. I played the Modern Warfare 2019. Uh, <laughs> I like the games now are just by year. Doom 2016, Modern Warfare 2019. Um, we've rebooted them. We've run out of titles. We have run out of titles. <laughs> we're all, we used them all up. Yep. 
We didn't realize there was a scarcity in words in a specific order. And it turns out we have to now just <laughs> resort to year numbers at the end of them or else that's all we got. Yep. Uh, or soon it'll be seven digit license plates, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, so modern warfare that on PlayStation four this past weekend, it was free for everybody only on PlayStation four of gunfight, the alpha and gunfight is modern warfare's, um, 2v2 mode where you are it's been described as like the antithesis of battle royale which modern warfare also is maybe going to have but <laughs> um it's picture like the um training mode and the first modern warfare whatever year that is 2010 where it's like you're running the wood obstacle course kind of thing or picture like a paintball course if you've played in, in real life these are small maps it's 2v2 you're you and one other player against two other players and doing several rounds of elimination and it is low health uh, or not low health but you're not picking up health packs you're not regenerating health hiding it feels very counter-strike-esque where who sees who first who plays the angle right who gets the shots right um wins and they the rounds are quick they are i think because of that both frenetic and high stress because it's one mistake and oops you're done um and then you volley back and forth i think it's best of five as i was playing um it's fascinating i do think it is an interesting reaction to you know battle royale where in in one landscape it's you know does battle royale kind of become like the razor shaving razor wars where it's like our blade hat our our razor has 20 blades (laughs) and it's just like you increase the numbers like our battle royale is eight thousand people and you're like okay okay fine i guess um and this really is a a very different approach um to multiplayer i i think it has a lot of potential as an esport in the sense that these maps are at least the ones i played um are very small and contained and the rounds are quick so i think with like a cool overhead cam you can see what's happening very quickly whereas as someone who enjoys watching um overwatch league I do think there is a barrier to entry there in terms of what's happening, you know, aside from what a payload is, but talking about various parts of the map and explaining things to people who don't understand the game and like, oh, what is Winston? You know, what is this character doing? What is Mercy? Why does this character matter? And here in, in Modern Warfare Gunfight, it's two people, loadouts are the same for each team at the beginning, and they're trying to eliminate the other team. Um, easy to see, easy to understand easy to grok and something that I think could be very compelling the way that um, Counter-Strike was. All of that being said, not for me. Uh, (laughs) It is, I am not good at it. (laughs) I really struggled um, at a couple of rounds where I did okay, but I I think I realized quickly that it's because (laughs) one of the players on the other team disconnected or put their controller down because they were eating or something. (laughs) Like I'm pretty sure they were just standing there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was kind of like my PUBG on mobile moment where I was like, I, I, I can do this. And then it was like PUBG mobile, lots of bots. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing this at all. Um, I think this mode is going to get very competitive very quickly. And I think it's not the type of mode that would be best experienced as pairing with randoms and just figuring it out. I think these maps, while small, there's going to be the the place you want to be and the place you don't want to be and, and how you throw your um, smoke grenade to cover it and stuff like that or whatever. Um, not for me, but I think very interesting and an interesting kind of evolution or de-evolution of what um, 
highly competitive and highly watchable multiplayer first person shooter game can be. Um, second game, Gears Pop came out on mobile. It was the game they announced at E3 when it was like Gears, 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 Gears 5, Gears 5, and here's something else. And everybody was like, what is this? And it is the the mobile mashup with everybody's favorite plastic figures, um, pop line of characters with big heads, little or bodies, and kind of a Clash Royale approach to things. Um, I don't know if either of you also downloaded this game, but I bounced off of it very quickly. And while it is not exclusive to Gears Pop, I don't want to say that this is only Gears Pop who suffers from this, but it's the most recent instance I've had with it. When you load up the game, there's a very quick uh, tutorial. It's like tap here to do this, then tap here to do this, then tap here to do this, and then tap here to do this, and then you did it. And then it just, I felt like it threw a bunch of, they're, they're not pop up. I guess they are pop-ups like pop-ups and modes and things. And I don't quite understand what's going on, but then I'm playing against a real person, I think. And I feel like these games or gears pop and others rush you into kind of playing so quickly that I don't understand what I'm doing, but I'm maybe getting things that I should be happy about or spending a resource on something to make something better, to be competitive, to do the thing. And I think, Gears Pop could, and as someone who does not play a lot of Clash or competitive, um, this style of of mobile game, certainly. So my knowledge is is definitely a factor in this as well. Um, But I think they could do a better job of onboarding. And I think a franchise like Gears, especially, that is maybe trying to tap into, you know, the love that the franchise has with console gamers and air quote traditional gamers, um, I felt very confused by what was happening, what I was supposed to do, and the th- things I was getting, what they mean to me. Um, I was a little disappointed. Did any of you play it, Rich? Did you download it at all? Did you give it a shot? You know, it's funny, Chris, uh, Christian, as you were talking about how you know you used to play sports games, but you've sort of fallen off, and you try it every couple of years, and it's almost like every year you try it, you get a little less good at it, and it's all, almost you feel you're sort of they're moving further away from you. That's how I feel about modern first person shooters. Like you could literally replace first person shooter uh, with what you were talking about with sports games. So I've actually kind of gotten out of that genre for a while. And then the other thing you said, especially about the mobile stuff is I, I'm glad, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I've been feeling really dumb lately when I've been trying out various mobile games because it's just always here click on this tap that do this ding now here's four different things that just popped up on your screen and i don't know what this means or whether i'm this matters or is this a big deal and and i just get overwhelmed with stuff flashing at me and lights and all this so no i haven't but you know what you're talking about is 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 not a dissimilar to experience i've had with with several mobile mobile games that I've tried recently. So the combination of it being related to a franchise that I'm really sort of tapped out on anyway has, has steered me in, in a different direction. Yeah. I was sitting next to you when you downloaded yours. So does that count? I mean, you saw my interaction with it. It's, I understand yeah. it's like these free to play, you know, they need to grab you and hook you quick, but I feel like it almost tries to do it too quickly for me. And it's like, you got all this stuff. Look at this stuff. Now do this. And I was just like, Whoa, slow down. We're just, this is a lunch date. <laughs> <laughs> you know like i agreed to coffee gears pop like what are you doing yeah uh yeah um so with those i don't want to say out of the way but with those out of the way um oh 
Oh, fellas. Um, this is not a review. I have not finished the game. I also think when this comes out, I can't give a review. Um, this is just a preview. Um, that's all it can be because I have not finished it. I was provided a code for it. You've heard me talk about it after E3, and I think you've heard me talk about it, how I had it uh, pre-ordered anyway. Um, I've been playing Control, Remedy's upcoming game. I think it comes out on the 27th. Ooh. So uh, as you're listening to this today, after you're listening to this, um, I've been playing it on PC on my, thank goodness, my PC works PC. And again, I have not finished it. Not a review, just an impression. Um, this is my game of the year. I Woo. love this game so much. So yes, the later parts. I don't. I don't even know how much this game would have to crap the bed for it still to still not end up in my top five. <laughs> like I love this game so incredibly much. If you've listened to the show. You know that I love third-person action games. Um, it's no surprise. Uncharted, uh, uh, Last of Us, Tomb Raider, all of those games. Um, you also know that uh, Quantum Break, Remedy's last game, was not a big hit with me and, and with us on this show. I, I think it had some serious shortcomings. Um, Control is rectifies a lot of the problems I had with quantum break. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on quantum break. And I don't want to spend more time talking about control, but a big problem I had with quantum break were twofold. One, the half hour TV shows that were put in because of Microsoft TV studios or whatever. And two, like a cool idea, very but... cool idea, but very problematic when you die on a boss and have to wait a 20 minute TV show to play yeah. that boss again. Um, and two, while I found quantum break to be beautiful, I, I felt as if it prioritized animation over control, which in a chaotic third person action adventure game shooter is highly problematic where I'm in a very awesome looking run animation, but I'm turning like a tank and I'm getting flanked by a bunch of enemies. Um, control I, it is precise. I've never had that problem while it is still, I cannot speak to the console version of the game. I played it on PC at E3 and I'm playing on PC now is stunning absolutely stunning i am playing on a 2070 super with ray tracing on um and unbelievably gorgeous the amount of reflections happening in all of the glass in the office building parts of this game and the the way the enemies there's not blood when they're shot it's like this kind of like the time warp mechanic or that view bubble in quantum break but it's like a distorted looking through melted glass kind of pop that comes off of them that is just stunning you're picking up objects and and ripping them out of the wall and while not everything is destructible enough is to give you the feeling that any railing can be you can pick up with your powers and shoot it and throw it or an enemy hits it and it explodes around you and all of that is reflecting off of the glass around you um there was one instance of where there's like a, a chest that has like a um, currency for an, an upgrade style thing, right? Like a secret that you can try to get. And I'm st- just looking at the beauty of this glass. And I was like, Oh, I can't, Oh, the door's locked. I can't. And I was like, wait a minute. And I just picked up this huge object and just smashed it through all of the windows <laughs> and then climbed in and, and got this unlock, which was really cool and really satisfying. And the game itself, so the game itself, uh, from what I've seen of it, it is, it's like 
weird in all the best ways, right? It's like David Lynch, Twin Peaks, psychedelic, odd story that is presenting itself in a way that you as the player are also being pulled in as uh, Jesse as a protagonist is kind of, and there are no narrative spoilers here, um, but as she's kind of talking to herself and also essentially talking to you as the player, but also understanding what's happening in this world. And the way it brings you in as a player, I think, is so inventive and so cool and so fascinating where you're hearing her internal monologue that is totally justified and makes sense in the game world, but also bringing you in as this new person to this world and this idea of this you know, Federal Bureau of Control that studies the supernatural and the weird and, and whatever it is as you're exploring this office building that can apparently go anywhere and everywhere and be all things in all dimensions. And you're definitely, it's definitely not just like the office where you work. <laughs> um, and, and the way that you're brought into this world, there's a moment very early on in the game with an NPC that where the protagonist says something to themselves and the NPC for me, at least I'm, I don't know if everyone will have this moment, replies as if they heard you and your character then doesn't stop the game doesn't make a big deal of it right the game's not like wait what oh no it just kind of happened in passing in this moment but i feel like that was for me looking in through looking into the keyhole into this larger world of like oh man anything and everything is possible here like the fact that my that jesse as the protagonist didn't take time to address it that the game didn't highlight it in this weird way um, of like zooming in and punctuating on it. Right. And like making it this big deal and the way that that to the game in that moment wasn't a big deal, I think says so much about what is going to be a big deal as this game progresses and goes forward. Um, so I love the world. I love the lore. I'm finding myself reading all of the files I'm picking up and really spending time with it. There's um, full motion video, um, not in the way of Quantum Break, but like you can watch, like turn on a TV show or like watch the um, instructional, instructional manual of like, hey, you're in this lab. Here's this training video kind of thing running on a projector or whatever. And the way those are blended into the world and the context they add are fascinating. Like I, I just want all of those to be released online somewhere. Kind of like I want all of the Captain America PSAs released when that came home on whatever Blu-ray that was, when you could have all of those. They're so well done and, and really help flesh out the world. And then all of that's well and good, but it wouldn't be you know already one of my favorite games this year if the controls and the gameplay weren't so tight and so incredibly fun the way it mixes you gotta have good controls in a game called control right? <laughs> yes they kind of set themselves up they yeah. <laughs> quantum break could be whatever because it's you know what is that yeah, it, it it breaks because it's called quantum break <laughs> but uh, yeah control you gotta have tight controls you gotta do it yeah and it's it's like calling your game like smash hit <laughs> <laughs> oh a million seller i think every game should be called <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> million seller um it, and I think it's really refreshing because it is a third-person action game shooter, but it is not a cover-based shooter. Like, yes, you can technically crouch behind something, but that's not the gameplay loop. It's not 
Gears of War. It's not Uncharted. You're not finding your spot, crouching down, popping up, shooting, and then hopping over and, and meleeing when time allows. You're, or I find myself, running and using my service weapon and then using my powers to throw objects at people in the way, at least where I am, um, your the gun, your ammo automatically refills. There's no way to reload it. Um, again, where I am, maybe this changes. Um, and you have a limit on how much power you can use, and that also automatically refills. And neither one of these seems like it's a super long cooldown, so it's not like, oh, dang it, I've shot my six bullets, now I have to wait half an hour. But I feel like the way that they play off each other forces me as a player to use both and use both in concert and inventively where you can't just rely on one or the other. So um, the way I'm traversing around the world and dodging and evading and pulling in um, a fire extinguisher to launch at somebody to create an explosion that also hinders the view of the enemies over there while also using my service weapon to, you know, do a headshot for someone across the way and then pull in a couch. I, I ripped a couch off the back and as it flew to me, it took out two dudes as it came crashing toward me. And then I was holding it in, you know, the uh, telepathic state. And then I launched it back at them. So it's coming at them, knocks them down. I use it to kind of flank over and and find a better position. And then as they stand back up, I launch it back at them and throw them against a wall with such a satisfying gameplay loop that just in that moment, in my first, you know, major combat experience with the game, I was like, yes, Everything I felt about this game at E3 is being delivered and being delivered so incredibly well. Um, I had another moment where not a boss, but like, I guess like a heavy, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, comes out and I'm not far in the game, uh, not like OP bunny search of the imagination. And I'm kind of taking my pop shots out of them and not doing much damage. And then I noticed that if I throw um, part of the environment at it, it kind of has a a stun. And then the AI, the character tries to track and find me. So I'm able to climb up onto some scaffolding and be able to get up and have uh, height as an advantage over this character. And I start throwing things at them and then moving, throwing, moving, throwing, moving, throwing, moving. And as I do this all the while, taking a few shots to kind of get their health down. And I lure them over to, I think it was like a forklift that had a conveniently placed... uh, generator on the back or something red and explosive right and as i lure them over i'm not doing enough damage to be able to take this guy out with how i'm attacking them but the stun evade them trying to track me and i bring it over to this forklift and shoot the propane tank on the back and cause this huge explosion and take the enemy out again was so satisfying and so cool and it felt like something that isn't done in so many games and to have that be just a combat encounter in in the low stakes part of this game. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. The map, I can already tell, uh, leans into that Metroidvania stuff where there are doors I'm walking past that have, you know, like key card or security access much higher than where I am. Um, there's been some places where I go back to them. The way the story unfolds, at least so far, is fascinating between what I'm assuming are side missions and main missions and the way these characters are all voiced, acted and animated and the way that they live in this world that is so odd, um, but yet so believable for their day-to-day interactions of some of these characters that like, yeah, this is my job. I've worked here for 20 years. Like 
this is what it is. Um, I'm getting some eternal darkness vibe from it. Not in the sense that a similar gameplay, but I think what that game did, whatever it was 20, AKA five years ago, um, like the general sense of unease. Um, I, I'm sure I will be singing this game's praises uh, many more times throughout the year, but I, again, not a review. I haven't finished it. And it's impossible to compare games for me, even across years, other than Tetris is the best game of all time. Um, God of War, Spider-Man were incredible, (laughs) but as of right now, as someone still early, but experiencing this game, it's on my short list of favorite experiences ever. I love it. I absolutely love it. I am, Sounds like I could not have been more wrong about my first impression of this game, uh, which uh, was not positive. But or we just have different I, takes, <laughs> or we have different takes. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played it in quite a while, um, but I, I came away the first very first time I saw it, being really unimpressed with it. But that was a long time ago, and the game has has had a lot of de- development since then. And it's a studio that I really love and respect. I hope I get a chance to play this. I um, I'm worried that in my pause from life there'll be too many things that get in the way but i if you're talking about it being a game of the year candidate i hope i get a chance to play it um you you I'm will really excited uh, this is yeah. the this is the game jeff like i know we talked about you playing the the last tomb raider or whatever 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 and life happens and it, i get it and you talk about me playing yeah. some games uh especially some vr games and life happens and, and i don't um when we get to the end of the year I am going, if, if I need to, I will buy you this game and sit at your house while you play it. Like, wow. um, you are going to spend some time with this game and maybe it won't connect, but the way they draw you into the world narratively and in terms of how they play with the setting and, and what this oldest house is and can be. Um, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Dude. Very cool. Uh, and another reason why you will all be in great hands with Christian Spicer while I'm away, because uh, that was an awesome segment and an awesome description of what sounds to be an awesome game. Because DLC so, will uh, be called Dude Loves Control. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, like I said, I, I fortunately haven't been playing anything. I got a, I got a um, early copy of uh, Ancestors Become Human, and I... Um, was very excited to dig into that game, but uh, this situation with my eye has prevented me from doing anything like that. So um, I, I don't feel like I have the authority to even talk about that game, unfortunately. And I, I feel bad about that, but um, such is life. Uh, so we're going to wrap the show up now. We do have parting gifts coming up, but uh, Rich Grisham, thank you so much for being here, sir. I cannot even tell you how grateful I am and how wonderful it has been hearing you talk about games and talking with you. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. Again, on behalf of everybody, we love you. We support you and we're here for you. And when you come back, we will be here in greater numbers than we are now. Do, do not worry about that for, for, for a moment. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's real scary, you know, leaving and feeling like, man, is the, is, am I going to be different when I come back? Is the, world going to be different is is yes scary and you'll be more you'll be more grateful for what you have yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen well i i neglected to mention you are the the chief marketing officer of out of the park developments uh the makers of out of the park baseball and franchise hockey manager but let the people know where they can keep up with you and all of the things you do online 
Great. Thank you. So yes, out of the park developments, we make out of the park baseball 20 and franchise hockey manager five. They are both licensed with the MLB and with the uh, NHL. They are strategy sports games. So if you had told a 14 year old me who loved playing micro league baseball on his Apple two E all the time that my job would be to bring games like this to life on modern PCs, I would have collapsed in joy and delight. So they are uh, strategy sports games. So you can run your franchise and you can, uh, you know, everything from drafting and scouting and all of that. And you can play this year or you can go back anytime through the entire history or you can play online in a persistent world. So check out Out of the Park Baseball 20. Check out Franchise Hockey Manager 5. And by the way, guys, in case you have some people out there who are a little they're intimidated to do it. I've got 20 codes to give to you that you can give away to to your fans and listeners. However, uh, you would like to do that. So awesome. 20 codes out of the park baseball 20 will be uh, available to your fans. However you want to, uh, uh, however you want to do that. And if you want to see what it's like, we stream four days a week. So Monday nights at 9 PM, we have a show called this weekend, perfect team, which highlights our online persistent world uh, mode called perfect team on Tuesday nights at 9 PM. We have our guy, TJ Larman, who's also a big fan of yours, uh, he live streams uh, out of the park baseball 20 on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Adam and Jeff live stream franchise hockey manager five. And on Thursdays at 10 p.m., I stream my continuing failing efforts to uh, to win a perfect team championship. And all of that is at twitch.tv slash OOTP developments. Uh, and that's that's where you can find us. And real quick, we also have our own podcast called OOTP now or out of the park now. I also host a press row podcast, the longest running sports video game podcast in uh, in the world. And we have a little underground podcast called the Dodcast that I show up on on a regular basis. So those are all the different places that you can that you can go. But check out Out of the Park Baseball 20 and Franchise Hockey Manager 5. That will help that little kid that uh, you heard at the beginning of the show go to college one day. So please do. <laughs> That's great. Yes. And please do thank him again. That was very special for me to hear. Uh, so I, I'm just... I will, but he loves vacation simulator. Oh, that's when great. I say he loves it. He loves it. And when he, when I told him that that was your voice, he, he couldn't, he was so excited to be able to tell you that. <laughs> awesome. That's so cool. Very, very cool. Uh, Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, who knows? Um, nothing really. Uh, the show, this, we mentioned at top, the show will be going on. Uh, it will be different. Uh, I'm not going to say it will be the same because there's no way it will be. Um, but for these next, uh, few weeks, the show will be coming to you regularly through your RSS feed. I can't promise it will ever be live streamed, uh, and it will sound different. It will be different, but it will still be news, new games, positivity. We'll still be, um, loving, loving things. And, um, my commitment to you, dear audience is every week, I'm going to do my best to pick what I think Jeff's story of the week would be. Um, so I look forward to hearing how wrong Spystradamus is. Uh, <laughs> sounds like somebody's going to be looking at some VR websites. <laughs> well, you know, that's a safe bet for sure, but I'm not known to take the safe bet. So, um, so that will be happening and, uh, no need to change the dial. And then, uh, when Jeff is back and ready to go, believe you me, you will hear about it. And, um, it, you know, the show will be here for another, uh, 300 more. We certainly hope so. Um, yes. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata. Uh, I'm not going to be tweeting <laughs> for quite a long time uh, as I can't read 
anything. I'm forbidden from reading or using my eyes in that way for um, maybe six weeks or longer. Uh, so it will feel probably if you're used to seeing my Twitter feed or hearing my shows, it'll feel a little bit like I have uh, fallen off the world. And it'll probably feel a little bit like that to me as well, um, which is a, a little scary to think about. But I really hope you stick with uh, this show and you stick with me. And um, I would really love to have you there when I come back to the world because uh, uh, I like all of you and I appreciate you uh, listening to the things that I put out into the world. Um, so I hope that can continue to happen. Um, all right, let's uh, let's end the show the way we always do with our uh, parting gifts. Rich Grisham, do you have something to help people get through their week? I do. I got a couple, a couple of things. First off is a couple of shows. I am a huge fan of Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen is like just I, – I always liked him on Saturday Night Live, but then I discovered he's also a musician and, and all of this stuff. So he's a guy I've always liked. A couple of things. He has a show along with someone else I love called – who's Maya Rudolph. Again, huge fan of Maya Rudolph. They did a show on Amazon Prime, and it's called Forever. And – and so it good. is so interesting, right? Like for a lot of different reasons. It's only eight episodes. It's it, yeah, you can't even tell anybody what it's right. about. You just have just to watch, watch it. it. Just watch it. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's it's bemusing. It is heartbreaking. It is inspiring. It's a little silly. It's a little profane. It's so many different things. But I, I really recommend watching forever. Uh, and also a, a Fred Armisen thing. This is something like, again, I, I'm always feels like late to the party with this stuff. He he does he produces a uh, um, a Netflix series called Documentary Now, which is a series of fake documentaries. And I watched the it's a two parter. It's season one about the Blue Jean Committee. Watch it. It's him and it's Bill Hader. Okay. To again another fantastic performer, Bill Hader. Watch that on Documentary Now. It's a two-parter. The whole thing takes 40 minutes about Blue Jean Committee. If you don't love it, I'll be shocked. And on the book front, I have two baseball books. As you guys know, I love baseball. Baseball has undergone an immense transformation just over the last two to three years. And two books that are very well written. One of them is called Astro Ball. And one of them is called The MVP Machine. These books do an amazing job of making it interesting, explaining why baseball is so different now than it was just a few years ago. I, in person, I love where baseball is right now. Um, and these tell two very different types of stories as to what's happened. So forever, Blue Jean Committee on the, uh, on the show side and uh, Astro Ball and the MVP machine on the book side. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, how about you? I did forget to mention how, how great I think the sound design is of Control. Do you know I like Control? Like the weight of different like objects and the thunks they make when they hit things. Oh, real nice. Um, thunk. thunk, thunk, thunk. Gardening in real life. Uh, we're doing some stuff to our yards here, and I think there's, um, I, I think there's data that supports it. But it's something very positive about engaging uh, in the world in which you live, even if it's on a, a micro scale. Um, I would just encourage people to find times to get their hands in, get their hands dirty and start digging in the soil. And whether that is 
um, you know, potted plants inside your place or working in a small patch outside or finding a community garden in your neighborhood um, and engaging with people there and um, seeing what you can, the beauty that you can make, um, I think is really rewarding. And I would encourage people, especially now as we roll into fall, um, it's an, it's a nicer time to be outside for a lot of people in our country here and uh, engage in gardening. I think it's lovely. Very cool. Uh, we did get a listener's suggested parting gift, which you can always send to DLC feedback at gmail.com. Um, this one, it comes from Azim who sent this to us. Uh, Azim says, I'm not sure if this has been mentioned. It has, but good to mention it again. Uh, but there is a really great show on YouTube, red YouTube TV called Cobra Kai, uh, which picks up about 30 years after the all Valley karate tournament from the original karate kid. It's a lot of fun and still has its original cast. It's an eighties feel as well, which is great. Definitely worth a watch. If you need some light fare after some of the heady stuff that's come out recently, uh, two seasons are out right now. It sounds like you like this one, Rich. I know Christian does too. It's so good. I think they're free. There's a couple, you might've missed it, but there's a couple of weeks here where they're going to be free on YouTube for everybody. So do that Google work and find out. And it's so, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cobra Kai on YouTube. Um, I usually uh, give a parting gift, which is, it tends to be a suggestion for you. Um, this one is a, a, a bigger parting gift because I'm parting for quite a long time, uh, much longer than I would have liked. Um, it's going to be six weeks or more before you hear my voice again, which is hard for me to take. But in that time, I'm going to be uh, in a very specific position, not being able to do much. Uh, I would love my parting gift to be from you to me, if, if that's possible. Um, I would love suggestions for great audiobooks because I need to listen to some audiobooks. Uh, and I won't be able to read your, your, your suggestions, but if you tweet at me with some great audiobook suggestions, uh, um, hopefully my wife will be able to read them and give them to me. And I would kindly request that not, not it to just be a title. If you could give me a reason why you love that audiobook, uh, I would love it. So uh, the name of an audiobook you happen to like and why, why I should listen to it while I'm uh, recovering would be great. And I would be very grateful because I need, uh, I'm going to need several weeks worth of things to listen to that won't drive me insane. <laughs> so, uh, it saddens me to have to end this episode and, uh, tell you that I won't be talking to you for quite a while. Uh, last week was our 300th episode. And on that episode, I mentioned how, uh, we hadn't really taken a whole week off, uh, since we started. And here I am now, leaving you for many episodes. Um, I leave you in the very capable hands of Christian Spicer and his coterie of, of, of guests. Um, and I am very much looking forward to coming back. I hope you all will stick with us um, and stick with me. And uh, I, I hope that I can come back sooner rather than later. And I hope I come back uh, even better than I was before. So uh, I will talk to you guys on the flip side. And until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Hey, so here I am again. As I said, I hope that it will be sooner rather than later. And it does sound like that may be the case. Uh, it's still going to be several weeks before I'm able 
to podcast again or resume my daily life, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be six weeks. So the quick version of the story, just to keep you up to date, I'm sure many of you have already turned the podcast off. That's totally fine. This isn't about video games. This is just keeping you up to date on my personal weird roller coaster of a week. Um, got a diagnosis of a of a detached retina um, from a doctor, uh, a retinal specialist, who outlined a procedure that sounded real gnarly and very scary um, that would require me being in a very specific position for several weeks, uh, during which time he said I would be unable to speak and would have to not read. So that pretty much ruled out any kind of communication, and I was scared, uh, quite honestly, and it meant maybe not talking to my kids, and that all sounded very grim. So um, I knew that that was going to have to happen very fast. Um, I found out on a Friday, and I tweeted about it Saturday morning, basically saying, goodbye, internet, I won't be here for a while, because I wanted to have a couple of days to just process that and get the information out before people just saw me disappear from the internet, um, because I knew the operation was scheduled for Monday morning. And we recorded DLC, as I said, uh, on Saturday, early afternoon. Uh, but then my amazing wife, insisted that we get a second opinion before we dove into this surgery Monday morning, even though it was all happening very, very fast. And so she found a different retinal specialist uh, who came very highly recommended. And we drove on a Saturday night at 5 p.m. He left, evidently left a birthday party he was attending, opened up his practice by himself, unlocked the door, and brought us in, didn't have any staff there, took our paperwork by himself after hours on a weekend and checked me out and said he agreed with the diagnosis that I had a detached retina, but offered an alternative operation, actually two operations, two procedures in the same operation, I should say, that might uh, allow me to be back sooner. Uh, which is good, and also has the added benefit of potentially r reducing my risk of this happening again. The downside is that evidently it's a much more invasive procedure. I will be knocked out for this uh, operation. I wasn't going to be under completely for the first version of the surgery. It was just going to be a local anesthetic. But this one I'm going to be knocked out completely, and evidently will be much more uncomfortable, is his words, uh, when I come out of it. But uh, I should be up and around in about half the time. So we're looking at six weeks down to probably three, and I'm hoping to even beat that. So um, I think that's very, very good news. And evidently, I will be able to speak uh, for the majority of that time. I will still have some weird, uncomfortable position in the early days, in the maybe the first week. But uh, I should be back much sooner, and I am very heartened by that. I'm also very heartened by all of the wonderful responses I have gotten on Twitter and via email from many of you who have sent such kind notes and such encouragement, I cannot tell you how much it has meant to me and my family reading all of the incredible kindness that has just been showered upon us. Um, I, I am overwhelmed by it. I feel a little guilty now that this doesn't seem to be quite as um, quite as as time consuming as I first thought. I, I feel a bit like the boy who cried wolf, but 
Uh, it is still going to be a pretty intense surgery. It's going to be the first big surgery of my life, and I'm legit scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm very scared of it. Uh, I'm just scared of going under, scared of what it's going to be like afterwards, and uh, it has meant a lot to me to read all of the positive feedback I've gotten from all of you via Twitter, via email, and uh, and I appreciate it. I'm here to say thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to my shows. Thank you for caring about what I say. And thank you for caring about me as a human and what I'm going through. Um, as I said early on in this episode, I know that others go through much more and much more intense and are going through those things now. And I am no more deserving of care and attention than anyone else. But I'm certainly grateful for all the care and attention that you all have chosen to give to me. Um, so... The good news is that I will probably be back in your ear holes earlier than I thought. Bad news is I still will be gone for several weeks, but Christian will be delivering the show to you uh, with his guests and his take on gaming news. So I hope you'll keep listening, and I hope I'll be back much, much sooner than I thought. And I will be yelling at you over a big thumping beat uh, in no time. Uh, Until then, as I said... Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.